Welcome to Five Strike Weekly, everyone. It's time. The cup is on the line, and doing so, we have a massive giant size cup preview for you coming up later in the show. And the season's not over, but silly season has already started, and we catch you up on all the rumors from this week. All that and more coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Strike Fam. I'm AJ. This is Tanner McLeod. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe and leave us a good rating. Before we get into the biggest match of our Five Stripe lives, let's get into the news. And uh, December 3rd has been declared Atlanta United Day by the Atlanta City Council. Amazing stuff. And what scenes they were at the City Hall. Uh, you know, the, everybody that's, uh, you know, in the City Hall getting together and singing We Ready and all the chants. Uh, I mean, it was a, a sight to see. Absolutely. I mean, for me, I'm a bit nervy naming a day after a team <laughs> before they finish everything off and win yes. a cup. I would rather it be December 8th if you win the dang thing. But hey, it's it a was, show it of solidarity. Awesome. It was a show of solidarity by the city to really bring them in. But maybe I wish the city of Atlanta would wait to claim them again until something else happens. Anyway, well, all, all, all Atlanta banter aside, yeah. I think it was really cool. And to see something like that happening in yeah. City Hall, I mean, I think Atlanta really has adopted this team. And heck, win a championship? Falcons, who are they? Oh, but uh, no, I, I get what you're saying. And I get the gripes about it. But I think it would look completely different if they had done it, you know, December 9th or something like that. It's a, it's a bit strange and it looks completely different as a show of solidarity, doesn't it? I mean, it's like... Yeah, I guess. I, I get know? it, I get it, I get it. I just don't, I don't know. I get it. But to be fair, yeah. Atlanta United deserves it. They've meant so much to the city since they've come on the scene in the last, obviously, four, but two years of playing. The number of people who have bought in, become fans of this game and fans of this team, you know, this city is going to be, you know, red, black, and gold, mm -hmm. and red, black, and bold, hopefully, on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see it everywhere. And I think... Everyone who knows about it is going to have their TV sets on and congrats MLS You're probably about to get the most watched MLS Cup final in your history because You've got two massive teams with great fan bases and to see that fan base and that team recognized the way they were by City Hall It was really something special. Agreed, agreed And uh, you know a big part of that is the supporters and the supporters have been asked by Doug Robertson what the TIFO is going to be for the MLS Cup final they're very mum about it. Uh, can you blame it, them? Yeah, can it very close to the vest. And uh, but I think they said pretty much that. Yeah, I mean it's going to be good. And so uh, we can't say anything. We won't say anything. But uh, I think we all look forward to what it might be. Well, if they and, think it's going to be that, I can only imagine what they can do to top the last one because the last one was incredible. And if they have something in that realm planned again, I'm sure it'll be absolutely incredible. And I know they've been working night and day. And you've got to bet they've had something planned for a while just in case we got here. So right. I'm really excited to see what they got. And mm -hmm. it's just going to be another one of those layers on match day that shows why Atlanta mm -hmm. not only deserves to win MLS Cup, but why we're the heart of MLS. Right. And, I mean, even if it were so that they planned it, I mean, they had to put it into action in a very, very small turnaround. So very much much uh, props to all the guys, uh, part of the TIFO crew in the supporters groups uh, that have, you know, are going to put it all together. I'm sure a lot of work still is yet to be done. And so if you are watching this earlier in the week, then still uh, they need help. And if uh, you want to donate funds or offer your uh, volunteer help, then please do. They, you know, they would really gladly take it. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but next piece of news is uh, this Opta Best of MLS 11, and uh, it's you know uh, very complimentary towards Atlanta United in this one, where we have Parkhurst and Miggy and Joseph Martinez making this 11. So it's looking good. You have the the likes of uh, Stephen Fry and uh, Zusi and Carlos Vela. No, not and, shocking there. Yeah, and Lodero of uh, Sounders as well. I mean, it's a it's a good 11, and I you know no shock there that. Uh, you know, an Atlanta United heavy uh, 11. But in this uh, who scored one, pretty ridiculous. Uh, El Munir gets in from Orlando, and the only person that gets in is Miggy. And, yeah. Who I mean, knows? Some of these things, statistics, <laughs> I, I don't know. But uh, for me, you lose all credibility if you don't have the record-setting goal scorer of Major yeah. League Soccer in your best 11. He scored more goals than anyone ever has in a single season. And How Zlatan, is he not in your best 11? Zlatan is in his place. It's very interesting. Well, but, I mean, uh, I get Zlatan being there, but you can have two strikers. I know, Figure I know, out a way to play with two strikers. Really? <laughs> Come on. 
Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but we'll move on from that. And uh, on Monday, we found out our CONCACAF Champions League opponent in the round of 16 for 2019. And it is Costa Rican side CS Herediano. And, uh, you know, um, you know they're a very, very, actually very good team. They're probably the third most winning team in Costa Rica's Primera División. And um, they also play in a very tiny stadium. It is 87,000 or 8,700 people. All seats. Uh, I mean, no seats. All yeah, standing. No seats. It's yeah. basically a bull ring <laughs> with some field. There's no it's a way. Box. There's no way they end up playing that match. Exactly. I think it's got to be played at probably a San Jose National Stadium, uh, something like that. And I think they probably have in the past because they've been in this Champions League before. And uh, I mean, they've done decently well. They haven't won it yet, but it's, uh, you know, they're not to be taken lightly. I think they're probably the second best team that uh, we could have faced in this uh, this whole matchup uh, or that we've drawn. But, um, you know, it's also uh, one of those teams that uh, has a coach from the probably top team in this competition uh in pot two anyway uh saprisa another costa rican side and so uh it's definitely i mean we have our work cut out for us but it will be interesting yeah i'm not gonna pretend to be an expert on costa rican football by any stretch of the imagination um it's not gonna be easy for atlanta because this is probably gonna be your first competitive game of the season yeah you're going to be having a new head coach <laughs> That's going to be something. New system. And new, nah, well, system, I think, will be relatively the same in terms of how we play. I mean, it's still going to be an attacking style. It's mm. going to have, you know, they they want to hire someone who's going to play a system Some continuity, yeah. that's familiar to these players. You're not going to throw it and tear it all up and change the way that you play. You find a manager that fits the style of play that you But without want. a Miggy, without but some without a, players but, like but, that, but, it's going to be very much changed. It's going to be a different side. You don't know who all you're going to have, and you could very well be betting some new players on the road and the negative is is if it is moved to the national stadium which is in all intents and purposes a positive for both traveling atlanta united fans and you're going to be playing at a better stadium and a better pitch for atlanta united you're probably going to have more costa rican fans there yep. it's going to be loud it's tough it's like i said the beginning of the season so it's not ideal i mean you're going to bring it back to your first home game but the bends is the beginning of the season so it's going to be a challenge mm -hmm. I think it's an interesting challenge and a welcome challenge for Atlanta United to see what kind of club we can be and how big we can be on the continental scale. Mm -hmm. So hopefully it'll be a great trip for a lot of Atlanta United fans, and I know we'll preview that match when yeah. it gets closer to that. For so. sure. But yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of that uh, that little turnaround from when the cup ends and when Champions League is going to start, I'm sure that preseason is probably actually uh, probably a little under like five weeks, uh, pretty much. I mean, you have a little bit of... Uh, the holidays as pretty much that's it. That's your break. That's uh, you it's know, tough. yeah, it's not going to be very easy for uh, the, the players and um, you know, the recovery there, they will have to really recover fast and take every sort of break that they can, but uh, and maybe not eat too much of that, uh, that Christmas ham or you know, <laughs> Argentinian beef or whatever it is, but uh, yeah. And uh, but their coach, uh, Hernan Medford, he was uh, you know, like I mentioned, he was uh, the coach of Saprissa and he uh, had actually won this competition with them in the past. And so it's uh, a, a guy that knows this competition very, very well. That makes it even doubly harder. And he's very, uh, very keen on playing Atlanta United. He uh, has pretty much said that he loves the atmosphere and what Atlanta is doing and um, He knows a little bit about us that Tata won't be there and yeah, I mean it's uh, I think we have our work cut out for us, but um, Yeah, and with that though uh, Greg Garza has uh, spoken about his excitement for the competition again He had played it in or he had played in it with uh, Tijuana uh, but he's excited to maybe, you know, there's a little bit more promise in a sense with LA United. And, you know, if LA United and MLS side is able to win it, it really puts MLS into just a different light completely altogether on the world stage. Because we also, if we win this competition, we get to play in the Club World Cup. And that uh, that is huge, uh, prestigious stuff, depending on who you ask, probably. But um, yeah, and, and, you know, that really really, I think, uh, would put Atlanta United into the forefront. For sure. I mean, absolutely. If you have a chance to end up 
playing in the Club World Cup against a side like a Real Madrid or something like that. I think the weird thing about the Club World Cup is when it actually is, a lot of people have no idea when it is, where it is, and because it moves around, it's usually at some point in time in December, which is why things are so interesting with the Super Classico in Argentina, because right. basically whoever wins that plays in the Club World Cup next week. Right. So that's why they're gonna play it somewhere other than South America to make it easier and because it's crazy. But, you know, you'd win the Club World Cup. What's crazy for, for Atlanta is, say you win CONCACAF Champions League next season, and then you make a run to MLS Cup, say you win it again. You would play all the way to December, and then immediately after you finish that, have to go and play another competition in somewhere in the world. After your season's now over, yep. you have to go play more games, and then you have to come back less than a month later for Champions League again, potentially. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. So we need a lot of players. We need a lot of players at that point. <laughs> but you know, I think for for Atlanta United, this is a very unique opportunity yeah. to show what they can, you know, on the continental scale and potentially the global scale. We already do enough as is in Major League Soccer. But again, this is a really big opportunity to grow the brand right. even more and to fly the flag for American soccer. Right. And I think we absolutely go for it. Uh, I, I think we put our money into uh, doing Champions League right, and then you know we still have a very very deep. Uh, team as well. The Atlanta United two guys can step in early on in the season. I think we'll uh, try to see how far we can go, but hopefully so we there's can. two things, two ways it can go. Really, I mean, you you saw how Red Bull handled it, and they did really well. Obviously, winning the Supporter Shield. Mm -hmm. Then you have Toronto, yeah. who won the MLS Cup, then made a run in the in the Champions yeah, League, deep, and then yeah. their team their season kind of fell apart because right. they were so exhausted at the beginning and fell behind. So it's going to be a very tricky scenario for right. a first year you know manager at a new club to have to navigate. So you know it's just one of those things that comes with success, and Atlanta United will have to navigate it successfully. But with everything they've done so far from front office down, mm -hmm. I think they'll be in a great position to do so. Right. But uh, let's get into the rumors of the week uh, and. There was this uh, kind of silly rumor about Arthur Blank, uh, you know, with all the Miguel Miron to Newcastle United ties, and you know the uh, the owner of Newcastle United, Mike Ashley, pretty much uh, posited that oh, you know, maybe a uh, an Arthur Blank uh, and a consortium of uh, his people would buy Newcastle United in j the January transfer window. Well, I don't know if he specifically but, uh, mentioned Arthur Blank in his interview. It, it was, it was kind of hinted that he was speaking to someone yeah. who was an American, but I don't think right. he specifically named who he was because he was on BBC Radio mm -hmm. talking he about was. this. And for those who are unfamiliar with the situation, um, everyone in Newcastle wishes they could kill Mike Ashley. <laughs> they despise him. It is a one club city. Newcastle Contrary to what many might believe is a massive club, they fill St. James's Park or Sport Direct Arena, whatever you want to call it, with 55,000 every single week, despite being terrible, and their owner spending nothing. Yeah. He doesn't spend money at all. This is the Premier League. He spent 250,000 pounds last summer. That's it. He never spins, which is why I've always shot down the Miggy to Newcastle rumors, mm -hmm. and he wants to sell this club as quickly as possible, but the problem is, no one knows what they want to pay for it because will the club get relegated? Mm -hmm. Will they have a manager? Who the player is going to be? Yep. There's no idea what's going on. For me, having seen what Arthur Blank does, being in a sense part of AMBSC mm -hmm. and seeing the way that that whole company is run and having interactions with those people, that's not something that he's just going to jump right in and do. It's not a smart investment, mm -hmm. especially for a man at his age, to what it takes to run a Premier League club. You think mm -hmm. it takes a lot to run Atlanta United? Try running a club in the most expensive soccer league in the world and see what happens. I don't think he yeah. has the time or the desire to do Yeah, that. and it was pretty much refuted by Steve Cannon, the CEO of AMB Group. And so essentially, uh, yeah, he pretty much said that these reports have no merit in the AJC. And yeah, I mean, that pretty much kind of dampens this uh, this rumor. But of course, sometimes when there's smoke, there's fire. But I think uh, I agree with those sentiments. But it's also, yeah, I mean, Arthur Blank, like he loves being part of a community and growing it from kind of that grassroots level. And I feel like this kind of project just I don't suit see him. him saying, you know what I want to do when I'm, you know, older in my life, spend a lot of time in Northeast England. Yeah. No disrespect to Northeast <laughs> England, but this is Arthur Blank. He lives in Atlanta. He doesn't yeah. want to be jetting halfway across the world mm -hmm. every other weekend to watch Newcastle. And well, you know, there could be a group of, uh, you know, so maybe a, a you know former general manager or like a sporting director of Chelsea has been mentioned as someone that could, uh, you know, be someone that takes over that uh, that kind of day to day operations or something like that. A Darren Eels type of figure, if you will. But I still don't think you know he would 
want to put his money into a project like this where he really has no connection to it. And if he did, he should do something where, you know, he can get, uh, if he buys low and then he, you know, it's like a maybe championship side or a league one side and then promotes them, gets them promoted. Um, I mean, those fans would love him forever for one. And then, you know, you to be pretty fair, much I think get all Newcastle fans, league, what he would have to do for them to love him is just spend some money and buy a couple Probably, players. And Newcastle but, fans would worship him as a yeah, second. But coming. you think Mike Ashley's gonna sell to him on the cheap? I mean, no. I mean, not, it's Mike so. Ashley we're talking about. So yeah. for me, at the end of the day, I think Arthur Blank is yeah. not going anywhere as far as buying other clubs are concerned. Right. I think he's concerned about one soccer club, and that's Atlanta United FC. Right. And I think yeah. So we throw cold water all over this uh, this rumor. It's just uh, it's pretty ridiculous to begin with, but. Uh, and we've had a lot of uh, Newcastle people try to talk to us about it, and it's just... I mean, Sorry, guys, it's not happening. Yeah. I know you just want him gone. It's <laughs> not happening. And getting to the next bit of rumors, this uh, next one comes from this source called Doble Amaria, and it is definitely kind of a divisive uh, source. It's sometimes right, sometimes not right, uh, which uh, probably speaks about a lot of the sources, but this one, you know, it's uh, got to be taken with a grain of salt. But... Uh, President Darren Eels and Technical Director Carlos Bocanegra are apparently in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and they have uh, pretty much shortlisted three pretty much head coach candidates that they are going to interview. Uh, and actually, the, the the main one that they are targeting is uh, Guillermo Barros Scaloto of uh, Boca Juniors, who has some uh, some you know unfinished business that he has to deal with. Uh, with the currently trying to figure <laughs> out where he's going to play the second leg of the Copa Libertadores. Right, indeed. And uh, another guy that they're looking at is Gabriel Melitos, uh, a former Barcelona player. And then you have. Jorge Sampaoli, who's uh, very divisive as well, uh, formerly of the Argentinian uh, Argentinian national team as well. Don't forget um, his spells in charge of Sevilla and Chile. Yes. He's had history in his success. I mean, success well, in his history. For sure, for sure. <laughs> but uh, I think the, the latest part of that uh, leaves a lot of bad taste in those Argentinian fans' uh, mouths, for sure. But uh, yeah, Scalotto is the main guy that they're targeting and they're trying to interview and maybe you know get some negotiations in, apparently. And so, uh, I mean, it's a guy that, uh, you know, plays a very attacking uh, type of style. I think we've kind of gone over him in previous episodes before. But uh, it's apparently the main target. But they're also, you know, if he fails, then, or if they fail to negotiate a contract with him, then uh, it would be, you know, maybe a Gabriel Melito. But uh, there's also, you know, talk of uh, Jorge Sampaoli uh, wanting this job, wanting that Atlanta United gig, because, I mean, it's probably one of the more, uh, I think, uh, attractive ones as a manager. You have a top-down system that is uh, pr pretty much as, uh, you know, top-class as they come. Really, all he and, has to do is step in and manage the team. Yeah. That, that's, that's your I mean, role for Atlanta United. You have a clear, defined style of play that, that Atlanta United wants you to mold to, or they will look to a manager who plays that type of system. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in his club football career, as we'll, we'll take Sevilla, he was only there for around a year, but they finished fourth in La Liga that season. Mm -hmm. They scored a lot of goals. They played attractive attacking football. They had a goal difference, a positive goal difference of 20, mm -hmm. which in La Liga, you can get hammered pretty hard by the tides above you. So mm -hmm. he played good football with a team in a tough division. Yeah. So you have to give him credit for that. Obviously, he struggled mightily with Argentina. Yeah. For me, I give him a little bit of the pass only because the AFA is a nightmare yeah. right now. He took over in a very, very dire situation where they were struggling to qualify for the World mm -hmm. Cup at all. And then obviously you saw what happened at said World Cup. So he has that stand there. But you can't forget the fact that he also beat a Tata Martino managed Argentina side Granted with a less talented, twice though, with a less talented <laughs> Chile side yeah. in the Copa, uh, Amer Copa America. Copa America. Okay. Yeah. Copa America final. Sorry, I don't yeah. know. I was struggling there. So, yeah. and he managed a Chile side to be pretty damn decent in the 2014 World Cup. Yeah. So he's a solid manager who has mm -hmm. a successful history. His just most recent success and his most yeah. recent job obviously leaves a lot to be desired. Right, and also Messi is, uh, you know, he pretty much retired and maybe the reason was a Sampali, but you know, he that's... retired before the because of the fans, yeah. so I take that with a grain of salt. It's I true. mean, Sampali kind of does look like a madman with his tight v neck sweaters and tattoos all over <laughs> his body, but I mean, it, for me personally, yeah. if Darren Eels and Carlos Bocanegra are taking a meeting with someone, 
they've done their research, they've done right. their homework, and they wouldn't be doing it for no reason whatsoever. Right. And so if Scalotto is the guy, then, you know, I, I think uh, he's uh, a guy that has found success. And, uh, I mean, yes, every one of these candidates is pretty divisive. There's something about each that, uh, you know, leaves a little bit to be desired because you don't really know how they'll translate into the American game for sure. But at the same but, time, you're Atlanta United, so right. you have to, in a sense, do what you've always done and mm -hmm. go to South America and maybe take a little bit of a risk on a player. Right. And that's going to yield the upside. Or a coach, yeah. Or a coach in yeah. this case. And, yeah, you know, yield that upside that you're looking for right. because you're not going to go out and, you know, grab a top manager from somewhere. Mm -hmm. You're not on that, you know, you're not yeah. as big of a fish yet. But, so they're all, so, you know, to say they're all going to have their, you know, detractors and their issues. Right. But for me, I trust the front ops fully. Mm -hmm. I think that whatever decision they make, I'm going to back them 100% mm -hmm. because they're going to make that choice for a reason. Yeah, and I think the interesting name here is the Gabriel Melito, the one that hasn't really been, uh, you know, rumored with us yet. Uh, he's 38. Uh, he has managed at an Independiente. Uh, which is the club that Ezekiel Barco came from, he actually uh, took him from the academy side and put him into the team, and that did them a really big world of good because, well, they won the uh, Copa Libertadores. Well, no, Sudamericana. Uh, Sudamericana, sorry. They get confused. Mm -hmm. sure, so many sorry. South American cups. Sorry, sorry. And then, and then uh, Ezekiel Barco was sold for $15 million, I mean, or whereabouts. I mean, that's a pretty penny that they made on him. And, Granted, he wasn't the uh, the coach anymore then, but I mean, still, I mean, he kind of blooded him into the team. I think uh, if he came back and uh, you know was able to work with Ezekiel Barco again, get the best out of a Barco, you definitely would look for that if you're looking for a hire, especially when you spend that amount of money on a player. Right. You, you'd like to get a tune out of them if you can. What better than the manager that trusted them to play first team football in the first place? Exactly. But uh, another another bit into this is that uh, Peter Coates of Galasso Argentino, uh, a very Respected outlet in uh, Argentina, he mentioned, uh, yeah, any of these uh, these candidates, you know, actually he is perplexed that we're not looking at a Gabriel Heinze, who, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, could be even the best candidate of them all. Uh, so he says, yeah, I mean, he's currently the manager of Les Sarsfeld, so. He's getting some experience. They sit sixth, I believe, in the Argentina Primera Division, which is a nightmare, so I don't really know what that even means at this point in time. He was a successful player, you know, playing for clubs like Manchester United and Real Madrid, so he, he's been around the block. He's learned from some of the best at those clubs, and now he's decided to take his turn in management. So, again, he, he fits the kind of profile you're looking for, I think, post-Tata Martino, where you have a system, you have the players, you know the way you want to play, and now you need a, play, uh, a manager to come in, guide them, set the team up, and make those decisions. And, you know, for Atlanta United, I think, again, they would have done their homework on every candidate. Mm -hmm. So, who knows? You know, with Darren Eels, he plays things pretty close to the best quite a lot of the time. So, some of the, the, the candidates you've seen mentioned might not be the ones we actually are talking to. So. Right. We'll find out when we find out. And guys, let's get into the mailbag and you guys send in your questions through IG story. Please continue to do so and we may choose your question in the future. First question comes from Amanda Do It. I still don't know how to pronounce this, but uh, we will uh, work on it still again. But uh, he asks, many people have argued that our playoff run has been easier than all of the other teams. What are your thoughts? Um, who Easier? are these people? Yeah. Who are these people you've been speaking with? I really <laughs> need to know this. Only we've, we've, we've only beaten a team that I believe had more points than almost every team in the West in NYCFC. Yeah. And then we only went around and then beat the best ever regular season team in MLS mm -hmm. history by three goals to one and basically had the second leg be a dead rubber. So if by easy you mean we throttled the teams that we played and they were really good teams, then sure, but in terms of the actual teams we played, I would say we probably had the toughest road because we had to play the two best teams outside of Atlanta United in the league this year. Yeah. Now, mind you, Portland had to come from from you know the, the one-off elimination right. game, the fifth position, I guess, and then they had to beat two, uh, they had to beat three, and then one. So okay, sure, but uh, I mean. I think they had to come from a lower position, and sure, everything's going to be harder if you're, you're doing that. You're playing an extra game, and you're playing your your first, you know, second game on the road. Right. But, but let's look at the you know the records of these teams that we've beaten, and in terms of 
you know, how we've beaten them as well. I mean, it's been pretty kind of comprehensive. So Yeah, I mean, it's been two solid victories for Atlanta yeah. against two really good teams. Yeah. When you look at it at the beginning, <laughs> would you say Atlanta had an easy road? No, they just played really well and advanced the MLS Cup. So, I mean, obviously Portland had a tough road, but... I'd say for us, it's it's not exactly easy by any rights. Exactly, uh, and but then all the other teams, that that main point. Then all the other teams. I, I'd really like yeah. to talk to this person you were speaking with. They're crazy. <laughs> yeah, but uh, next question comes from Carson ATL Hawks twenty six. That's easy to pronounce. Thank you for making it simple. <laughs> uh, with the hatred that New York Rebels fans are giving us, is it our new rivalry? Also, why a Hawks fan? They're so bad. I jest, I jest. Oh. Um, I don't know. Have we have we been getting a lot of hate from them? I mean, I guess like their fans were kind of acting like dickheads at the match, which is why they were our wasteman of the week in the last five strike weekly. But yeah. I mean, for me, I and, and on Twitter and stuff like that. And yeah, it's gonna happen media, when, when you. Yeah. I mean, I'd be salty if I was them as well. I mean, yeah. you had the best regular season ever, and mm -hmm. you, you you go up against a team that you've beaten yeah. every time minus one draw, and you mm -hmm. feel confident, and then you turn out performances like that, and mm -hmm. then they measured it, and yeah. then yeah, and then you lose your best player to to you know uh, Germany right after that. Basically, they True. didn't even wait for the body to get cold until they <laughs> ship their best young player off to Germany. Uh -huh. So I mean, I. I I guess they could be salty. I'd understand that. In terms of rivalry, yeah, absolutely, they're a rival. I mean, they're the best. Of the, they're, the, they're the second best team outside of Atlanta United in the East. I mean, they're going to be there every year. They're really, really good, and they've beaten us three out of four times. We just before this tie, so or even yeah, yeah. Even I mean, they exactly. even beat us again in the second yeah, leg. Exactly. So we've only beaten them once out of what five tries? Six, yeah, so something like four that. out of six. Exactly. They're a really good team, yeah. and, and we look forward to more battles against. Absolutely, them. and you need so. other really good teams. So for me, I'd say them and DC United and Toronto. Those are the teams I despise the most in the East for sure. Agreed. And I think likewise, they uh, they feel that same way towards us. So yeah. Um, next question comes from Hagaris twenty. Is the CCL knockout one-off rounds or home and home? It is home, home and home. home. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, you know uh, for I think believe the up until thing. the uh, the final. I thought the finals home and home as well. Is it home and home? I think well, the finals home and home as well. Yeah. I think it's one of those. It's like a, they change it so the much. Copa Libertadores. Just, yeah. Honestly, it's hard to keep up. But yeah. don't worry. When it gets time for CONCACAF <laughs> Champions League, we might even do a whole video on the dancing so. to help everyone get accustomed to it, learn how it works, who's won, done what, because for a lot of us, it's a brand new competition that we'll be learning about with the rest of the team. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Camillo London 30 Top three next possible captain's choices. Let's go first. LGP. Gressel, and then I think Guzan. I'm not really a fan of making keepers captains, but mm. I, I, you've seen it work. I mean, you see it with, mm. with Neuer sometimes, and then you saw it with Casillas, obviously, with Spain mm -hmm. and Real Madrid for a while, and he's a pretty commanding presence, Guzan. Yeah. So and the only fall, issue is is that yeah. who talks to the to the referee, then I think you know you have a clear vice captain in either Gressel or LGP. But for me, I think it's one of those three. They're just yeah. the ones that spring to mind the most. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, LGP, absolutely I agree with. Um, and this is... Mind you, uh, when Parky and Lorenowitz they move on, right? Because if Parky went and Lorenowitz stay to be Lorenowitz, yeah, or vice versa. I mean, right. so yeah, yeah, um, and uh, yeah, Gressel for sure. I think is uh, if he stays as well. I think that's somebody that uh, you know is showing a lot of leadership uh, at a young age and is someone that has played every single game pretty much. And so you know, absolutely, that's another great one. Um, I would even put in. I mean, Guzan, I see, but it's one of those, like, you know, vice-captains, vice-captains, vice-captains. I think a Darlington-Nagby, I think, is a... He'd be a great captain. Great I would captain I would choice. love to see him wear the armband. Yeah. And at some point in time, before he leaves Atlanta United, I yeah. want Joseph Martinez to wear the armband. At I agree, At least too. once, just yeah. to see it, because yeah. I love that guy. Yeah, and especially if he's got to talk to a ref, like, what he's oh, going to do. Oh, man. Oh, funny. Oh, funny. it makes me just the happy scenes, thinking about it. The scenes that would happen. But uh, next question comes from JDR. Are we having a parade in case of a win? I think with the way that the Atlanta City Council has already embraced this team and, you know, with just the fervent fan base and you see... Atlanta United flags everywhere. You see people wearing the gear and kits like pretty much at work, not even on just Five Strike Friday, but like on a Wednesday. Not to mention the fact that this would be the first championship for the yeah. city of Atlanta since it the 95 Braves, I believe. Yeah. So 
if you're doing everything that Atlanta is doing, I imagine they're yeah. gonna have a parade. Right, um, especially I, selling out the stadiums. I'm yeah, like, I mean, on, come, come on. on. Yeah. I, obviously, we won't know, but for me personally, I don't wanna talk about it right now. Yeah, exactly. We'll find out after we win. Indeed. And let's, that has to come first. Let's knock on wood. So guys, let's get into the match preview. And you know we had to do it big. We had to bring in Devin and Mark from the fan cams. And guys, it's the biggest match in Atlanta United history. And Saturday at 8 o'clock, whereabouts, uh, it's at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It's that MLS Cup final. We are all very, very stoked, I think, uh, speaking for everybody. But, uh, it's, yeah. God, this <laughs> week cannot go by any slower, I swear. It's, Honestly. It's, it's, it's you look Tuesday. You the clock, and it's yeah. just like, it's, oh, go faster. Exactly. There's still a lot of buildup to happen, but uh, we're going to break down what's going to happen, what we need to do to win this match. But uh, before we do that, let's get into what Portland did to get to this final. I mean, essentially, they uh, they were the fifth seed. They beat the second seed in FC Dallas. Uh, then they beat their rivals in Seattle Sounders in what was an incredible Eastern Conference uh, final, or semifinal, rather. And then, uh, then they beat the favorites in the West, Sporting KC. And uh, now, they're, now they're in the final, and this is uh, kind of insane. They're... Uh, they're the smash and grab team that uh, kind of almost uh, almost a Cinderella. Yeah, I would say so. I think for them, the most interesting thing about Portland is that they've done this before. They won an MLS Cup not even four years ago with the Darlington Nagby that we now have running our midfield, and they won it by beating a very good Columbus Crew team on the road. So for a lot of them, including Diego Valeri, this is not an unfamiliar situation for them. And they're going to be very comfortable, in a sense, going into a game where they've played on this field once already this year. they played in front of a big crowd. They know it's going to be rowdy. And they're going to do the same thing they did before. And I think for Atlanta United, it's going to be how do you get past that defense and how do you, you know, deal with whatever they throw at you because they're a team that in a, just a brief moment can spark some magic as we saw against Sporting KC. That's what you – That's you just nailed the point is, you know, Blanco can snap in a second, and the next thing you know is it's it's mm -hmm. in the back of the net. I mean, 30, 30 yards. Yeah, he just absolutely. cuts in, two touches, boom. And that ball yeah. looked like it was a drone strike. I mean, it was yeah. kind of one of those things, like, it didn't even look natural. But, yeah. you know, like we said with Timbers, they've got Chara. They've got, um, you know, they've got Diego Valeri. They've, they've also mm -hmm. got a really good defense. They've got Liam Ridgewell. He's been around exactly. the block with them right. for a long time. So you're talking about a team that's together, that's been around, and, and you know, without any major signings. I mean, they're pretty mm -hmm. much... There's, there's a continuity there, and mm -hmm. that's why I think you saw a team that got hot um, and made it through a jumbled West. We all know that the East has pretty much been a two, maybe three-team race if you want to include NYCFC mm -hmm. um, with Red Bulls in Atlanta. Uh, but the West was pretty jumbled. Nobody knew who the one was going to be right mm -hmm. up until the final weekend. So um, they, they came through the gauntlet, and they're going to be tough. But you know we have a, a tremendous opportunity with the home field advantage. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, uh, I think Portland's a little bit deceptive as a fifth seed. I mean, they, mm -hmm. were, they were right in that mix, like you were saying, for the one seed. They were unbeaten from April to August. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, they had a, a say that again. That's a crazy yeah. stat. Yeah. <laughs> Unbeaten from April to August, four months, yeah. and that's including the uh, the visit to Mercedes Benz where they got the one one draw. Yeah. And they still got high going in the playoffs. That's exactly. just insane. I mean, we got to yeah. think yeah. they finished fifth in the West on fifty four points. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had a very good season. They scored over fifty goals. They let a bit too many in on the back end, I guess you could say, because they only ended up with a plus eight goal difference, conceding forty eight. But, I mean, they're a very good team. Like you said, with MLS Cup and how playoffs work, you just have to get hot. And because these are the only matches you have to play, and then you have that international break in the middle of it, which, yeah, that stinks. But it's not like Champions League where you have league matches or other cup right. matches midweek. This is all they have to worry about. And if you can get hot and you find that 11 that keeps driving you through and you find a formula then you stick with that. And for them, they've gotten hot at the right time, similar to Atlanta United, because let's be honest, we didn't end this, the regular season on a high note. Mm -hmm. But we found ourselves, and I think you have the two best-playing teams in the MLS Cup Final right now, which is going to be very, very dangerous because they're a very good team. Mm -hmm. As you said, it's a jumbled West. They had to deal with a lot of stuff, and they got out of it. And isn't Diego Valeri <clears throat> also the defending M MLS MVP candidate? He is. Yes. Yeah, and you're, we have two. Yeah, potential, he, is, he was the, the MVP last year. We exactly, have two yeah. potential MVP candidates. You know, mm -hmm. with Almiron and Martinez. On Big announcement so, tomorrow. Yeah, the the Hopefully. The, the star we'll power. See. The star power just you know on the front line attack for this match is is, is what I hope is the feature because so often uh, we've seen Atlanta United play bunkering teams and mm -hmm. and 
do the side to side slow pass and then mm-hmm. take it wide and cross it into nobody. We can't do that against Portland. They're huge. Right. They're huge in the middle. We have to do what worked against Red Bulls and we just need to attack straight up the mm-hmm. middle and, and press. And I think that that's where we're going to find our success. Yeah. And that continuity uh, that you were talking about, uh, I mean, the only difference. I mean, the major, major difference from last year is that the coach left. Caleb Porter, their previous coach, uh, left before the start of the year. And uh, and it's where, I mean, last year. And uh, it's kind of the reason why we have Darlington Nagby because he thought that, yeah, uh, I need a change of scenery now that my coach from, uh, you know, even in college and then now uh, for most of the time I've been in MLS uh, has changed. And uh, now Giovanni Savarese, uh, yeah, his first year in MLS, he's taken them to an MLS Cup final. Like, Guys, this team is not to be taken lightly at no, all. Not at all. Sabarisi, I think, made a end of the season on a very interesting note. On decision day, the final day, Portland had a playoff berth clinched, and uh, but they didn't have a seating clinch, and he rested his starters against Vancouver, and they lost. Um, and I thought that showed a lot of confidence in uh, in his team and his team's ability mm-hmm. to go on the road and get results, and they did that in a knockout run against Dallas. So yeah. I mean, like you know, for a first-year coach, it's a big decision, and it paid yeah. off, obviously. Which well, isn't an easy task. I mean, ask anyway. Look at what happened to Atlanta United. Dallas are one of those few teams that you know exactly how they're going to play home and away. They mm-hmm. sit deep and they counter, and it's frustrating as hell. But clearly, it works for them and it gets them results. And for a team like Portland, who aren't necessarily an explosive attacking team, to have to take that to Dallas and to get a result down there tells you how good of a team they are. So mm-hmm. you know, I think that as much as as much can be said about you know the cauldron that will be the bins on Saturday, I don't think you could find a team that's more prepared to step into that Absolutely atmosphere not. and handle it than Portland Timbers. The one, the one team, the one argument I would have with you, Tanner, is had we gotten SKC, I thought that Kansas City might have had that that defensive setup with Melia and Icopara, mm-hmm. um, but but Portland is definitely right up there. So <clears throat> my biggest fear with Portland is the fact that they can bunker and mm-hmm. still beat you. Right. They don't have to attack you to beat you. They can they can pinpoint attack your mistakes. And we all know that Atlanta United sometimes gets a little free-flowing, and we, we tend to overstep. We might play too wide, or we might play too narrow and leave our sides wide open. That's where Portland is deadly. Mm-hmm. And we all know that this is not going to be a, a nil-nil going to PKs. No. There, there's goals in this game. Oh, for sure. My Again, I say my biggest fear, but my fear mm-hmm. is that we have the... Whereas at you know against Red Bulls we scored early, second time we didn't. We could have put that match away. We have to we have to take our chances in this match. Yeah, and uh, in terms of you know what you were just saying, there's been two and a half goals in Portland's last seven away matches. So that means yeah, there's definitely going to be goals in this match, and uh, I think that leads to uh, you know in terms of uh, the the previous matchups with us uh, between them, we were one one both uh, last year and this year uh, at their their grounds and then at Mercedes Benz. And yeah, I mean it's uh, there's going to be goals. It, it's pretty tight between us. Uh, uh, and I think, you know, there has to be a breakthrough, obviously. And so, you know, that third goal is going to be pro- uh, proving to be vital uh, to what's going to, you know, uh, what the, the outcome of this match is going to be. I think touching on that third goal, what's really interesting, mm-hmm. though, is that I think we can all agree that when Atlanta United score first, especially at home, they almost always win because it makes mm-hmm. the other team play. I think the one thing that you will absolutely see from Portland they don't care if they go 1-0 down right. because mm-hmm. they've done it before. They did it to Sporting KC, and they'll continue to play the same way they've played all game. They won't open up because, like like Devin said, they can score while defending. They yes, can yeah. break. So even if Atlanta do get that first goal, which obviously is ideal for Atlanta to get the first goal and open that mm-hmm. game up, Portland will stay patient. So it won't be mm-hmm. something that, because it's a final, to expect them to be like, well, we have to get a goal now. They'll keep playing the same mm-hmm. way they always play, and Atlanta will have to defend. And the major difference between Savarese and Porter is, I felt that with Porter and Portland, last they they kind of had almost an Arsene Wenger Arsenal complex to where they they wanted to play the beautiful ball. Everything had to be tika taka touch, you know, make it make thirty seven passes before you take your shot. This mm-hmm. year, it's Dink and Duncan. Valeri's over the top and boop, or mm-hmm. Blanco gets a throw in, turns around, takes a thirty yard shot. Yeah, you know, so so they don't care how they score. You just, mm-hmm. you just made a great point. It it doesn't have to be the beautiful game. They just want the result. Right, and it, and it was evident in that uh, scoring KC match, especially yeah, those uh, points that you were talking about. It's that star power that they have. Uh, Diego Valeri, he scored 14 goals. He had 12 assists. Uh, Blanco had 13 goals and 8 assists. I mean, it's something where, you know, those two guys, 
they can on a dime out of nothing nothing chance they can you know absolutely score on you and it's just something that we really have to be very wary of uh especially replace yeah. darlington nagby with chara like yeah. like it was nothing i mean yeah. we have to be 100 percent honest there darlington mm-hmm. nagby has been a no silent such. has been a silent mvp <laughs> candidate for our team i mean he doesn't True. put the goals in but but right. when he's healthy he bosses a midfield and mm-hmm. they you know they have a player who literally stepped into the role and they haven't missed. They're back in the MLS Cup final, so mm-hmm. you know all plaudits and all you know all applause to Portland. They mm-hmm. they have exceeded expectations. They got a new coach. They 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 had some continuity, but they've had to slide, have a next man up mentality. So mm-hmm. you, you cannot you cannot say enough about them and their road of getting here. And, and it's going to be a great matchup. Right. Yeah. And so let's get into what the injury report looks like for both teams. For us, uh, yeah. I mean, Romario Williams is still out. Uh, he's pretty much out for the season. Uh, Ambrose is still a little iffy, but I think we have enough left back depth that uh, we'll be okay. And of course, the big one, Michael Parkhurst, uh, his sprained ankle that he suffered in the last match. He seemingly says that he's ready to go for the final and that yeah, he They'd have to cut much, his leg yeah. off, man. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hey, 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 I he's I saw, playing. Yeah, I saw yeah. Doug Roberson in the AJC today mm-hmm. said that, uh, you know, Parkhurst w- would be available. And, and that's mm-hmm. huge. I mean, you know, he may not be the most athletic. He may not be... You know the fastest, but he is—he's the captain, and he's—he's right. he's the organizer. He's—you know—he's that middle linebacker that just tells everybody where mm-hmm. to be. You know? And he's a big miss if we don't have him in the lineup. Absolutely. I mean, Miles Robinson is great in a pinch, but in terms of this is the MLS Cup final. Right. I mean, if we don't have our captain, yeah. and it's, it's also uh, big yeah. for him personally. This is gonna be his fifth MLS Cup. Still hasn't exactly. won it yet. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So you know he wants to play. Exactly. And you—you you know he wants to play so that when he's on that podium, if we win. It actually means something because right. he actually put in that shift. He actually, you know, is a you know. He doesn't want to be a John Terry type person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. how cool would it be for him and Lorenowitz to you yeah. know to, to hoist that cup with a bunch of kids? I mean, I, I, I for just sure, think yeah, that, pretty much. You know, yeah. And Guzan, yeah, and Guzan. The blend of the team is is veterans and youth, and right. I think that this is you mm-hmm. know this is like we've said all along. This is the culmination of what's ultimately a three year project, a year without a team. Right. Uh, you know, the 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 inauguration year, and now the mm-hmm. in, in year two, we're playing for a championship. So yep. this team, as we all know, is going to change next season. So this is their opportunity to leave a legacy and and mm-hmm. and do it with with a second larger, more beautiful piece of silverware. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> and uh, so getting into the Timbers injury report, looks like uh, they have a defender, Roy Miller, out. Uh, goalkeeper Jake Gleason has been out for a while already, and uh, questionable for this match. Uh, David Guzman and Samuel Armenteros. Funny enough, Armenteros yeah. actually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might not be the biggest name, but that dude can score a banger. He scored mm-hmm. a screamer against LAFC earlier this season. And for mm-hmm. someone who could play or could come off the bench, he's a player that if he's fit for them, he could make a difference. Because mm-hmm. like you have those two main guys. But early in the season especially, Armenteros did a lot to help that attack. And I think that he's one of those guys that if they are chasing a goal, good plan if he's B fit, them, yeah. he's a good plan B to bring off the bench and give you a little bit more up top as an attacker. Maybe like let's, Tito. Yeah. Let's also yeah, talk about our, our weak point, too, is, is one of their strong points. They are mm-hmm. very big. So set pieces and corners mm-hmm. with their with their corner with their center backs and and you know the size that they possess over us. Are, we can't give up silly fouls. No. We can't have jersey tugs right outside the box. We can't give up those mm-hmm. you know ten yards closer than a corner corners basically because that just puts us under such duress with a team that's bigger than us in all facets. In the matchup earlier this season, we gave up a bunch of set pieces in the first half and a goal on that on the right. set piece. So. Uh, our Achilles heel, especially, yeah. I mean, it, as much as we want to practice it, it just, uh, no matter what it is, we're probably going to give up a set-piece goal. And so, uh, as much <laughs> Right as, before halftime. Yeah, oh my so God. we have to limit, especially when that happens and where we give up the free kicks. And, uh, yeah, just really make sure that we don't give up uh, anything that's a good chance for them. But, Play like um, you did leg one against Red Bulls, and yeah, everything absolutely. will be just yeah. fine. Right, very Play true. just like that. Put in the defensive shift that you did mm-hmm. in the second leg against Red Bulls. Right. And everything will be just Right, especially if they're going to sit off of us, which maybe. Uh, yeah. and, but I think they're going to be a lot more of a low block and a lot more compact than uh, than what Red Bulls are doing. Yeah. But um, yeah, and in terms of uh, the refs really quick, uh, Alan Kelly is going to be refing this match. And he uh, apparently has the, the best grades of any of the, the referees in MLS this year. And so... At least there is that, I Sorry, guess. Sorry, Mark but... Geiger fans, you won't get your wish. <laughs> right. The American Mike <sighs> Dean will not write again. Yeah. At right. least we survived Hayer Marufo. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Toledo this time around. Oh, so. Toledo. Could be a lot Honestly, worse I think he's the one I despise <laughs> the most. Just yeah. because. More than Geiger, I yeah. take that back. 
Toledo is the Mike Dean of MLS. <laughs> he has like the balding look. He definitely likes to make it more about himself, and he'll uh, ignore everyone else yeah. just to get his way. Yeah. But uh, we've won with Kelly. Um, wasn't Kelly also the ref that uh, tried to red card Chris McCann? That I got, want it. Uh, that got at the beginning. Back. That got rescinded at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, I, I believe. I believe that Kelly yeah, yeah, yeah. was at uh-huh. LAFC with Benny Fellhaber. Um, so he's he's quick to pull a card, but he's also quick to admit a mistake with VAR. Mm-hmm. Chris Penso is the VAR, and there is a second. There's an assistant. Uh, there VAR is, yeah, time, Thomas so. Supple. Yeah, they need all be, the help they can get. Yeah, they'll be pulling right. out all the stops for this one because yeah. this is an instance, especially with Champions League coming out saying that they're going to start using VAR. Mm-hmm. Um, referee discrepancies are, are are being reviewed and they're being watched, especially on the highest level. You know, everybody knows my feelings about pro referees. Um, we're watching, especially as well. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And, and, you know, is it going to be a playoff foul? Like, what is going to be called? That's really going to be the question. Uh, I hope it's consistent to what it's been in the playoffs so far. So I, I hope it's not because Kevin yeah. Stott let everything go. And yeah. Mark Geiger didn't let a damn thing go. I mean, so, I mean. <laughs> it, yeah, it wasn't consistent What's between a foul? those two. But yeah. I mean, I think what will be interesting, though, is, is, mm-hmm. is like Devin said, he is quick to pull a card out. But mm-hmm. this is also a final. So yeah. it would have been nice to... It's it's okay to have a quick card maybe when you're playing a two-legged you know tie because okay you have another ninety minutes and you need to behave yourself or you're gonna get suspended. Right. Mm-hmm. And this you don't want to be pulling out cards too soon because if you have to send someone off that completely changes things. Right. It's a one-off. The microscope, like you said, is going to be on you. And if you're quick with your cards, you could have two quick yellows and you're gone. And that's and that my that's my everything. big fear with Atlanta United is we are gonna be hyped. We mm-hmm. are gonna be. On eleven, it's gonna be Spinal Tap cranked to thirteen if the ants would go that yeah, high. Yeah, yeah. Um, so players like LGP, players like Gressel, players mm-hmm. like Rometty, they're gonna to have to be disciplined. They're gonna to have to be disciplined and keep it cool because, like I said, I really do see Alan Kelly trying to put a stamp on the game. Like, look, I'm going to take control of this. I'm. Uh, I don't see the free flowing play. I, I, mm-hmm. I think he's going to because otherwise you, you'll have Portland hitting our players and and yeah. us returning the favor. But at the same yeah. time, that also plays into Portland's hands because it keeps the game chopped up. So yeah. it, it goes just the same for them if they're defending deep. They're in a low yep. block. You have players like Almiron, like Martinez, like Abarco and Ivijabo when they come on, who are tricky guys who will make you make a foul. Nagby as well. I mean, Nagby's a guy you have to foul to get him yep. off the ball. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. they're so in the first same fifteen place. minutes are going to set the are going to we'll know we'll yep. know because yep. if, if if in the first three minutes he shows a yellow card, it's going to be a tight ticky tack game. Absolutely. If, if in the first fifteen minutes we haven't seen a card and and there's players, which in my opinion, it, I think it's ideal that you'd not have a card mm-hmm. in the first fifteen minutes. Right. You have to you can call fouls, but unless it's someone you know a la Miggy getting taken out on the sideline yeah, against exactly. NYCFC. Mm-hmm. Unless you have something cynical like that, you have to let it go. Which even that was lenient at a yellow. Yeah. 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 I mean, got, I, that could have been a dog. Well, it took him a minute to get anything out. So it's like, it you know. It could have been a denial yeah. of a goal-scoring opportunity. I mean, he was I mean, a little further he away. He was but far, yeah. but he, yeah. Miggy's yeah. fast. How far can Miggy cover? <laughs> yeah, yeah. True. I mean, like, I mostly agree that I want the ref to let the game go, but I do want to see Miggy protected in particular. He gets hacked. Like, we've seen it all season. We've seen mm-hmm. it in the postseason, so. You know, He's gonna nice. have to get used to it if he moves to the Premier League. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh sure. Yeah, he oh, won't man. be getting into the game. He has been targeted and circled already. It's <laughs> yep. like this guy flops. Yep. <laughs> Hit him. But uh guys, that gets us into our predicted formation. And uh i I think I speak for everybody probably unless anybody wants to chime in that it's probably gonna be that four three three that's shown up on the Atlanta United lineup, but it's that five three two uh that we know they actually play. I just say run the ten one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah the 10 1 essentially. Yeah. 10 1. But that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into who's in there just if you you, you want it. But uh, basically, Guzan between the sticks, of course. Uh, and then you have uh, Larry, you have Parky, you have LGP. And then you have Escobar, wingback, Garza, wingback. And then that three man midfield of Nagby, Remetti, and Gressel. And then two up top, Miggy and Joseph. Uh, with probably the expected subs again, probably with Barco and Tito, unless something else happens. But uh, speak up if you feel any differently. No, absolutely I, not. Not, yeah. not unless they run the 10-1. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think what's really interesting is the way that Atlanta United has... Obviously, it's nice to find your best way of playing at the end of the season right. and hit your best form at the end of the season. That's all you can ever ask from a team. Mm-hmm. But I think what's interesting is how Atlanta United have gone about finding their best team. Yep. Because if you would have asked me at the beginning of the season how I would see the best team lining up, and especially for the first half of the year, you heard me banging about how I wanted a 4-3-3. Yep. But somehow, this 3-5-2 that they've come up with, especially with this three-man midfield of Gressel, Rometty, and Nagby, has so much athleticism and dynamism, they cover the entire middle of the park. And as you've seen in the first two rounds, 
it restricts teams from being able to play through the middle and not get to that back four, which then makes them have to try to attack you wide. And I think what's interesting, and it'll go into how we play, how we played against Red Bull, you didn't see Garza attacking the byline. You didn't see him going down, especially like you used to see him at the beginning of the season when the fullbacks always were overlapping, we were always going for it and leaving that space in the back. He has been holding his spot and not going all the way back to help cover that back four in a sense because he can he can kind of shift it and you can defend that way. Escobar still takes that space, but even mm. he's been a bit more restrained in how he attacks that way. He's also been more offensive. He's, he's been, been incredible. More, he's been, yeah. Escobar's been more clinical. He's been the best finishing. player in the playoffs. Him and Rometty yeah. is far He was afforded that space, though, obviously, with Kamara Lawrence being out, and, I mean, that's really when he started to shine, of course. But but having um, Royer on his side was not an easy assignment. Nope. You know, and... Nope. and and Kaku, you know, running through the midfield for them, mm-hmm. uh, he was not afforded an easy opportunity, and yeah. made it look easy. True. Uh, so I, I feel like his strength is is in attack now. I mean, mm-hmm. in defense. Also, too, one thing I've noticed with about our formations is we're always defending in, in threes. Yes. We, yes. we travel in triangles, which is so, good to hunt and packs. That's yeah. what you want from That's, a team. Yeah. Exactly. So, so there's never really a situation where we should be alone. And, and right. it's not like you have a right center back and a left center back because they're mm-hmm. always kind of fluidly moving around and packs and, mm-hmm. and I noticed that when the other team has the ball if, if we're if we're not set back and, and bunkered down we are literally on top of them like Red Bulls did to us in the first early parts of the matches that's that's the big change that I've seen in the playoffs is we play with an urgency and we play with an aggression that's mm-hmm. you know that, that I didn't really see all season. and I think that comes from that midfield three because mm-hmm. they can cover the space now so you know Rometty you've seen him positionally when we have the ball he's a genius he can find the player especially like a Kaku or whoever's that creator for them he'll find in this case a Valeri or a Blanco and he'll mark that person to where they're not going to get a free run or he can drop into the back if one of the center backs pushes forward and then you have Gressel who covers space like a madman because he can play literally anywhere on the park and then you know what you get from Nagby because he can control a game but you get that athleticism that can cover like I said all of that ground and help defend in those threes because you know one of them one of those midfield three can always come back and help someone somewhere and they've been working so hard which I think is why Atlanta hasn't really given anything up on the counter, right. which I think is going to be Portland's biggest problem, is that they're going to try to create through the middle because they don't do a lot out wide. That's which all is the positioning where, of which is where Which is where Atlanta United are really going to find their success, I think, right. is out wide. And then they're going to be in a situation which is how do we attack when we do get the ball? Because Atlanta mm-hmm. are going to defend. They're going to defend well. Mm-hmm. They're going to have at least three back to possibly four all the time. Yep. You know that one of those two guys is going to be getting closed down by Rometty, and they're not going to have a chance. So I think that's why it's so key to see where the fullbacks for Atlanta United play because that'll tell you how much space we're willing to give them. Yeah. And on that too, do you put a man specifically on Valeri? Do you put LGP on Valeri and say, this is your guy? I think Blanco is the guy you mark first and foremost. With Rometty? Yeah, with Rometty, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then Like, you like go a spy from almost. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and then like Chara, I would see now. Nagby matching up with him, like I think they're pretty mm-hmm. similar. In terms I think of- occupying him, yeah, yeah, because yeah. Shar is key to their counter attack. Like he, mm-hmm. he makes those deep runs from midfield. So I think like that was like an Angolo Conte. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, so Valeri, I think that would be more like a you pass. So you watch him obviously, but like right. you pass him off, like because he's he's not stationary. You know? Right. This thing with him though is I want LGP on him because of mm-hmm. the size and speed. Yeah. yeah. I just see him being able to bully Parkhurst a little bit, if yeah. not because like we said, yeah. Parkhurst or make a smart run. Parkhurst is all about position. And he's mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. he's tactical awareness. LGP is a physical specimen yeah. that can stand mm-hmm. up with Diego Valeri. So it's, that's that mm-hmm. was my question too. I, I would mm-hmm. rather almost if we were to man mark just that guy. Yeah. Would you want to mark him with our best defender? I'd I'd rather go with Rometty because you have that guy that can cover the space in the middle and it doesn't pull a guy away that could potentially expose you for pace. Because in your back line, the only person with pace with that back three is going to be LGP. So for some reason, you do get a run off the shoulder. The only person able to close that down, if it's on a counter, would be LGP. And if you have him running around with Valeri, if Valeri makes a smart move to step up and you have a Blanca running behind... Now you're in a tough situation, especially if your fullbacks are pushed up. And he doesn't stay. He doesn't stand like a typical striker. He no, he no, rows. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's something that we need to, that we need to, to maybe tell some of the fans. Like mm-hmm. a striker, you'll see a lot of times you'll see somebody like Joseph. He'll get involved in the play, and then the play moves on, and he walks back. Valeri's not that kind of striker. Valeri's kind of a fox in the box, but also uh, a very interesting forward. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. he has he has he has the qualities of of not to use. He's not really a false nine because he scores goals, but mm-hmm. he does drop deep, find space, and let others 
run be- beyond him. He can get the ball to them because mm-hmm. he knows yeah. he's going to attract so much attention because he's an all-around complete player. Mm-hmm. To be perfectly honest, if you at- if Miggy leaves and you said you couldn't pick one player from MLS and only really? one player to come to your team to replace him, I'd pick Diego Valeri. So I'd take Piotti. Yeah, Ooh. either of those two Argentinians are <laughs> yeah. uh, are very highly coveted uh, for sure. Um, coming back to <laughs> yeah. Atlanta real quick, though, uh, in terms of how we play. I mean, mm-hmm. even though they've been uh, solid in the playoffs, I think they haven't given up too much offensively either, right. as seen especially in the home games. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just come down to the versatility of uh, that midfield five and Miggy, of course, you know, mm-hmm. be, being able to contribute both ways. Uh, you know, like Escobar, we've seen get forward. Garza almost scored. You know, Gressel, we see make those forward runs. We know mm-hmm. what Nagby does. Mm-hmm. Rometty's comfortable on the ball. So, I mean, I think uh, it's. I think at the key aspect to Atlanta's game, first and foremost, is technical ability. Mm-hmm. But right after that is work rate. And like those six yeah. guys in particular are going to have to work their butts off. And I think right. you made a really good point. There's something that I think we may for, you know, might forget because mm-hmm. he scores goals and gets assists. But Miguel Almiron's work rate is incredible. It is. I oh, mean, he yeah. was tracking back and tackling in the second yep. leg of the Red Bull game. I mean, all the way to the corner flat. That's you what crowds that, that midfield. And, and you don't ask that fastest. of a number 10. And, and he's he is so the fast. fastest yeah. player on the and pitch he, against any He'll run back, with the ball make the, the ball. tackle, yeah. and then sprint the other way after the ball's been won to help start a counterattack. He's and also more physical than he gets credit for. That's true, especially when he's defending. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. you get another defender constantly from that. And I, I yeah. think that's why you're seeing him sub now. And I think what's interesting is how it's worked out. to where you're bringing Tito and Barco off the bench. I mean, what else could any – they'd start in any other MLS any other side, MLS. and they're coming off the bench, but it gives you the ability to let Miggy run himself into the ground because you know by the time he's done running circles around those defenders and they are have their hands on their knees catching a breath, you have Tito coming on who's just as fast and even more direct at times, and they're just like, great, now. Yeah, the human you, spark plug. And then you have Marco coming <laughs> on who's, you know, yay high and can keep the ball when yeah. he doesn't dribble into five mm-hmm. people, but he can – especially when you're tired, he's a player you can't afford to make a mistake against because mm-hmm. he'll go past. Yeah. yeah, no, very true. And, uh, you know, and the, the record for goals uh, for and goals against for Atlanta uh, in this postseason has been seven goals and one goal against. And so, I mean, we have uh, have been very tidy and also very efficient. And so it's, uh, it's you know, it bodes well for this match. And also, I mean, uh, another quick stat is that uh, our last eight home matches, we've scored two goals at least. And so, I mean... I think that gets us right into our score prediction. I think the other stat you can't forget, though, is the yeah. fact that Atlanta United hasn't lost two matches in a row this season. And, and they that lost well. that second right. leg yes. to Red Bull. Yeah. And they've responded every single time yep. after they've lost. Mind you, it's a bit of a different circumstance. I, I was, I've never been win. so joyous after a loss. <laughs> Mind you, it was a, it was a yeah. game where you show lost, up and you're just, like, you're just like, we don't have to win, so <laughs> that's fine. with like We know we don't have to win. So. Explaining to all your friends aggregate. Exactly. A lot exactly. of people were What's this Audrey? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw some really funny tweets from people who were listening to so what they were calling hipster soccer fans in bars explaining yeah. how teams got how the yeah. team got so we lost. But, uh, but anyway, I think what's that interesting Felipe is Cardenas that, tweet. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. it was fantastic. Funny. Very funny. Is yeah, that yeah. you know Atlanta have not lost two games in a all season. You're going into a final at home. I mean, the stats point to it. But again, mm-hmm. like you said, over and over and over again. Portland is a very, very good team, and I think yep. this is going to be a final that is contested between the two best supported teams in Major League Soccer. And I Arguably, think, yeah, yeah. I think right now for optics, it's a really, really good Cup final for MLS to right. have, which means it's even more important for Atlanta United to win. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, you know, speaking about the, uh, the the, we'll get to the score prediction real quick, but uh, speaking about those supporters, you know, they're going to bring that victory log to the Benz, and uh, they're making it go cross country and everything. Shout um, out the Timbers Army. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. You, got, and, you guys um, do great work, and and I've been uh-huh. to Providence Park. It's an amazing place. Mm-hmm. You guys, you guys set a standard, and I hope that you like what you see right. from us. And they play on a similar turf that season. we do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we go there next season. Yeah, yeah for sure. But uh, yeah, if they're gonna bring that victory log, hopefully they don't actually you know get to have any fun with it, and uh, they can just again, like I said last, we got week, some live work condos that yeah. need wood. Exactly. <laughs> so we're but, more than happy to keep. Or it we here can for uh, you. keep warm in that thirty yeah. degree temperature that we're gonna have, and or just we put it right on the snow. We beat them, and then we just take the log and build a trophy case out of it. Ha-ha. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> Shout out Timbers Army. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. But, uh, so let's get into that score prediction. Uh, I'm going to go with Devin first. Right. What do you expect to happen? Hard fought. Um, I think we're going to jump out on him quick. I'm going to go Atlanta United 2. Uh, I think Portland's going to score late. Uh, so it's going to be squeaky bum time, but it's going to be 2-1. to one. Atlanta United is going to hoist the cup in front of everybody at the Benz. Okay, Mark. 
Uh, my final score prediction is 3-1. I think it's key that Atlanta gets that second goal before Portland scores. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I agree that I do think we'll give up a goal at some point, but I think we'll seal it as well. So I'm going to go 3-1. Okay. Tanner? I think they're too good not to score, being Portland. I think they will get a goal. But for me, you know, I think so much about this just points to Atlanta. Um, they're, they're the best team in the league when they play at their best, and I don't yeah. think anyone can really be on the same field with them at the same time when they're playing at their best. I think they found their form. There's going to be so much emotion going into this game from the fans, from the players for Tata, which is like, you know, Devin said earlier, you have to control that. But for me, I think that they're just the better team. And I think that 2-1, we're going to get the job done. But I think like Devin, it's going to be testy. It's going to be feisty. It's going to be squeaky bum time. And I think at the end of the day, it has to be because it's an Atlanta sports team and we have to work for it. So I think that's the perfect way for, especially for most of these people, to kill that damn thing. But if they want to put that 7-0 like we did the, you know. At the ooh, same time, if yeah, we yeah, wanted yeah, to hang a 7 on him. Oh, my God. I would take that in order. We'd just be relaxed. I'd be at Molly B's <laughs> with a spiked yeah. Arnold Palmer slushie in my hand. Yeah. It'd be amazing. So, uh, you know, it was not an, uh, you know. I don't think, you, AJ? No, 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 hold on. No, it, we we wouldn't expect anybody to predict us to lose anybody in this uh, room, of course, and uh, but even I couldn't do it. Yeah, exactly, I right? Just, I can't do it. As uh, as negative as this guy can be sometimes, but uh, you know, I think I'm gonna be the only one that predicts. No, I'm <laughs> predicting us to win two one. Uh, I agree that uh, yeah, we need to get that first goal, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, with two one, we absolutely we break that curse that Atlanta has. Uh, and uh, I think we would get that uh, that parade that we also covet in Atlanta. And uh, sorry, boy, I'm, would it I'm be nice! The I got it. I got it. <laughs> I was gonna, yeah, yeah. But we're gonna up. we're gonna knock on all the wood possible on that Timbers victory log, uh, and really hope that this happens. But uh, guys, let us know what you think is gonna happen in the comments below. And, uh, Let us know if you have any fingernails left, because I mean it's right. only Tuesday. I don't yeah. have any already. I'm just driving down the freeway, and I'm just like, <laughs> uh, I mean, but, uh, oh. yeah, indeed, indeed. But uh, but real quick, real quick, yeah. shout out to everybody who's talking up the team. Everybody at 92.9 The Game, every, you know, everybody, you know, Longshore, Mike Conti. Um, all the other podcasts. Yeah, yeah, all the other podcasts. Everybody, Devin, all the fans, everybody exactly. that's involved in this. All the supporters group. Seriously, yeah. this has been amazing, and it's something that we can truly say is authentic to Atlanta. Like, we always talk about Outcast being authentic to Atlanta. Well, like, Atlanta United, this is this is something that we own. This is something that we as a fan base and we as a culture have have cultivated, and it's a beautiful thing. And we're, we're, we're probably five years ahead of schedule, but, you know, we've done some amazing things, and, and Saturday is an opportunity to just really lay down a marker uh, and and let's show the world what we can do we're doing it uh, people are already talking about this club all over uh, mm-hmm. you know shout out to all my UK friends that are watching this you know now and, and have an interest in the MLS because of Atlanta United so um, really show out this week and show the Portland people a good time that you know they're in our city make sure that uh, make sure that you're not a dick yeah exactly absolutely make sure they're, for yeah. me they're a team they're almost a sister club without being the same yeah. when it comes to their fan base, how they maybe they play a different yeah. style of soccer, but when you look at Providence Park, they set you, an amazing example. You mm-hmm. know, it's a place where personally for me, I want to go watch a football match. Before Atlanta, are amazing. Before Atlanta yeah, United yeah. was ever even a thing, and I wasn't living in Atlanta, and it was like, well, if you had to pick an MLS club, who would it be? Portland Timbers. I have a Portland mm-hmm. Timbers scarf at home, it sits yeah. right next to my Atlanta United scarf. I respect that club immensely. Mind you, I want us to beat the tail off of them yeah. this weekend. But they're a great club that, for me, that's the culture you want to see at exactly. a club in America. That's what you want to see at every single one. I saw them beat LA Galaxy at Providence Park in 2014, and it was it was in the pouring rain, but there was not an empty seat in the house. And it was loud. And they had this club like right behind one of the goals to where like you could literally just see people on, on like exercise bikes watching the match, but the place just filled up afterwards. And, you know? So it was like... The culture in Portland is exactly what we replicated in Atlanta and then did three times over. Yeah. You see that, especially so, with the traveling support. I yeah. mean, in right. June, they had a huge contingent, and mm-hmm. then they're going to have over 1,000 at this match, which I'm right. really looking I forward to. I wish they could have more. Yeah. I, yeah. Really I wish yeah. they could you, have 2,000. Yeah. You've got supporters here now. But, and then there's, there's, really there's also that, it, right, there's also that uh, aspect of they didn't have the best record uh, you know, in terms of, uh, of the remaining people right. in, in the final as well. So, you know, arguably, it's they should have had a better record for them to be playing at home. So there is that as well, but I understand. Are we course. talking about the ticket allocation? Yeah, the because ticket allocation th- 
thing. Yeah, because because that's that's, a, that's yeah. a whole that's other a whole other thing. Yeah. For <laughs> those of you making the trip, come down. We're gonna have a good time at the Gulch exactly. on Saturday. Be there early. It's gonna be cold. Yeah. It's gonna be rainy, but it's not gonna matter because right. the alcohol is gonna be flowing and mm-hmm. we're gonna be having a good time. Yeah, and the, <laughs> yes, those tickets might be really really expensive, but wherever you're watching, you know, just be as rowdy as possible. If you're in the stadium. Let's make up for those casuals that may be there and definitely just uh, overpower this entire stadium. And This is a uh, warning to feel. all the corporate vultures and the neutrals yeah. that are buying up the tickets on the resale market. Yeah. They don't care if they wave a flag in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> don't complain. Yep. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> will happen. Beer will absolutely get on you. We will yeah. yell in your ear. But uh, yeah. But uh, b- before we, we go, uh, let us know where... Uh, the people can find you on the internet. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Devin D E. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Devin D E V O N. The number four and then real. So Devin for real on Instagram and Twitter. All right, and Mark on Twitter. I'm Nichols Odian on uh, Instagram. I'm Nichols at night. Uh, you might also see the name Slim Nichols. So. There we go. There we go. With their confusing social media. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, thank you guys for, uh, yeah, for showing up and up to five strikes. Absolutely. absolutely. And that was our match preview. And let's get into our question of the day. And guys, it is the Cup final. It's the end of the season. And to be a bit humble, just in case, our question this week is: If Atlanta United does not win MLS Cup, do you consider this season a success? I think for me. Yes, in the sense that it's ended a two-year run with Tata Martino that's defined this club and shows what this club wants to be and where it's going. Obviously, you want to cap it off with that MLS Cup and have all that hard work really pay off with both Tata and potentially Miguel Almiron leaving at the end of this year. That being said, I really want to get my hands on that cup. But I'm really curious to see what you guys have to say. If we don't win MLS Cup, is this season still a success? Get down in the comments below and let us know what you guys think. Well, guys, that's it for us today. Uh, but before we go, uh, we really want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts and that we are so appreciative of all the views, all the uh, the subscribers, all the likes, all the, the love that you give us in person when you meet us. Uh, just every person that has, uh, you know, just given us any sort of uh, interaction, you know, interaction is beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're growing just like the team. And, uh, you know, big things are coming. A lot of off-season content is on its way as well. I mean, this is the pretty much last episode of the season proper. Uh, but, you know, we will have that recap, of course, and a ton more stuff to look forward to. And we can't wait to make that for you guys, for you guys to see. And guys, that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already and leave us a review and rating so we pop up higher in your rankings. And for Tanner, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. And up the five strikes. Come on, boys. Come on, boys.